Welcome to the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. We are your hosts. I'm Emily Valentine from Stommy Tactical. And hey, everyone. I'm Amy Robbins from Alexa Athletica. We are Your Average Gun Girls and want to bring you a podcast that mirrors the way we live our lives. We are self-reliant, stylish, and eager to inspire women to feel confident in defending themselves while also staying true to their lifestyle. We'll be talking all things from concealed carry to our favorite lipstick and everything in between. This podcast is intended to support and empower women. We want you to be armed with the right tools and education to be self-reliant and prepared to act in your own self-defense. This episode is brought to you by Guardian Nation. Guardian Nation is the community for devoted gun people focused on guarding themselves, their families, homes, and communities. We hope that you'll check it out and consider joining. Whether it be for the monthly training and drill videos, discounts on products in their store, the monthly Guardian Nation Live broadcast with top industry professionals, or the quarterly box of hand-picked Guardian gear, there's something for everyone in becoming a member of Guardian Nation. Check it out at GuardianNation.com. Hey, what's going on? Amy, how are you? We are back. We are back. (laughs) Getting some podcasting going. I'm so excited. I feel like it's been a hot minute since we've uh, seen each other in person and through uh, our uh, little video screen here. Well, I also stalk your Instagram story, so I feel (laughs) like I'm there with you. I feel like I'm a part of your life. And as I feel like a lot of our audience probably feels like they're a part of your life. So I mean, thank goodness for social media, right? No kidding. It literally <laughs> makes me feel when you hang out with Kaya and I don't get to actually be oh out there, God. I feel like I'm a part oh, of please stop. <laughs> eating maple bacon. Uh, you guys have been doing that to me for weeks. I know. I know we have. Uh, but it feels good to be back, everybody. I'm so glad to be here today recording another episode of Not Your Average Gun Girls. It, it's nice to get back on this schedule. We took a little sabbatical mm-hmm. over the summer, but we are back and we do plan on getting these out to you every single week. We have been getting such great feedback. All of you who say that you're listening to us while you're running. I'm glad we can motivate you. Maybe you can just like take it another extra mile or two and listen to the podcast. I mean, I'm glad if we can inspire you to get out there and work out. Uh, you know, I've heard people taking road trips this summer, been listening to the podcast. So we just really appreciate you tuning in and listening to this and right. always like telling people to subscribe and giving us good feedback. We've just absolutely loved it. So thank you all so much. Yeah, it's been awesome. We love seeing you tagging us uh, in your stories when uh, you guys are listening to us. So keep it up. We really appreciate the support. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got someone special with us today, don't we, Amy? Someone very special. We, we have someone very special. I'm ready to jump right into this episode because we I know that you are a super busy special guest and we don't want to take up more time than than we have to, but thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to uh, give a big round of applause in your car for former Army Special Forces veteran, NRA Carry Guard Director of Operations and Lead Instructor and the founder and CEO of Tax 7 Security Solutions. Mr. Jeff Houston. Hi, Woo! Jeff. Hello, ladies. <laughs> Good to be here. <laughs> well, hello. How are you? How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. Thank you for coming on. You know, we have, I've just felt extremely blessed with the caliber of guests that we have had on the show. Sure. I mean, how did we get the 
NRA carry guard director of operations and lead instructor on their show. How did you find time in your schedule to do this? You guys are just awesome. So I love helping. <laughs> in between his power lunches. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, before this, Jeff was telling us all about his wonderful day that he had and the lunches that he got to. He, hey, you can invite us anytime to go to Capitol Grill. Uh-huh. Medium rare filet mignon from Capitol Grill. It's like unbeatable. All right. Next time you're in. <laughs> Next time, and non- done. And, and uh, of course, nonstop stoli dolies because those things are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that an NRA carry guard inside joke that I'm not privy to? <laughs> no, it's like they're like signature <laughs> cocktail. It's the best. Oh, at, at, at Capitol Grill. You know, I don't even think I've had one of those before. So next time, we'll, it'll, it, we'll, we'll make it a thing. Yeah, next time. Well, you know, guys, you've probably heard us talk about Jeff because Emily gave us a great rundown when she went through the NRA carry guard training, uh, gosh, several months ago now at this point. Yeah. And she, you know, you said it was a truly life changing experience for you. And recap that real quick for it was, it was a great experience. I mean, what was your biggest takeaway from the course? There was a lot of takeaways. I think a few of the things that I really enjoyed were the scenario based training we did at the end, but a lot of the movement drills that we did because it was something that I've never really done on my own um, training that I've tried to do uh, here. I just go to the range and don't and kind of do just, you know, normal, like, I guess like shot placement drills, I guess is what you'd call them. But these like courses of fire were, you know, involved a lot more movement moving from, you know, five yards, 10 yards, 12 yards and, you know, on one knee. So my takeaway from that was just trying to get that kind of training and incorporating those, those types of courses into my daily I guess training at home, and it was it and was a great Jeff experience. Was one of your instructors, yes, right? He was he was one of the instructors, and it was just an awesome. I want to say it was like a week, maybe it was like three four days of um, long hours. I'm sure he was ready to get rid of all of us ladies by the end of the week, but uh, he was a great instructor. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. It was a great group, and uh, we had different uh, variety of levels of student in the class. Um, everybody there was a you know pro two a and and firearms enthusiasts, some people that carry uh, it was all women in that class, which was awesome because women typically learn faster and uh, better than men do i 'm just saying they tend to listen and actually do what we 're uh, instructing them to do and uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a fun class, a lot of laughs, and a really great training well, so with the specific scenario based training or the training that these girls did last time is this something that a beginner would get involved in? Would you go to that specific course or kind of break down for us what NRA carry guard courses do and how they work? Someone that wants to get involved and they're very beginner, where would they go? Yeah, good question. Uh, Well, we do have a variety of options for people right now in terms of the carry guard training programs. The the first program that people can go to is a basic Uh, NRA carry guard basic. And that is designed for the person who already has their concealed handgun license and has taken some sort of a pistol fundamentals course, but they don't really know what their next steps are to get the proper training uh, for, for to better equip themselves to carry every day and defend themselves or their loved ones. So the carry guard basic is, is a basic course. It's a day and a half. Uh, We do teach holster draws, different ready positions, but we really focus on the fundamentals. And then after that, we have a three-day course that's the intermediate course. And that's uh, a time where we introduce people to scenario training. So after uh, about two and a half days of training, we introduce people to scenario training and we use 
UTM, Universal Training Munitions. Uh, we use blank rounds in that intermediate course. But that's a course that, uh, that's what Emily went through. And um, we do do scenarios in that course. It's really about a half a day of scenarios that we run people through. And we, we highlight the decision-making process. What tools can you put in your toolbox to help you process different scenarios and situations appropriately? How do you respond? You know, when does that gun, gun come out of the holster, for example? Uh, when are you using verbal de-escalation? Um, you know, hopefully you're just avoiding it altogether, right? We talk about that. Um, we also offer a standalone scenario training course, and we actually have one of those here in Dallas uh, on uh, a week from tomorrow. Hmm. So Nice. I'm so glad you brought up the you teach people when to draw their gun from their holster. This is something that we get asked all of the time. And I wanted to take we could probably do this entire episode on that. Um, but OK, as the expert here, kind of give us when it's appropriate um, for somebody that's that's brand new to having their concealed carry license and they are a little on the fence about when to use it, when not to use it, what would you tell them? Yeah, it's a great question, Amy. And, and, and we get that question a lot in class. And I think we do a good job of breaking it down for people. And there is no just black and white answer. So uh, what, I, what I can do is give people some guidelines that will help them make that decision. And uh, I do want to front load this with the fact that I am not an attorney uh, <laughs> for people to understand because the laws are different state by state. Uh, but we do have some general guidelines that will help people make the right decision. And one of the first things we talk about is ADRE, avoid, deescalate, retreat, engage. So before someone even thinks about, you know, okay, when do I punt, pull the gun out of the holster? When do I not? Did you make an effort to avoid and deescalate and retreat before you engaged? And that's not because you have to, it's just smart. It's smart to avoid a gunfight altogether rather than get in a gunfight, right? Mm-hmm. We all carry firearms so that we can protect ourselves, protect our loved ones or innocent third parties. But we, sh- we don't want to walk around out there looking for the fight. Right. I think that's what people think gun owners want to sure. do. Like they're they're walking around looking to shoot somebody. And the crazy thing is like, actually, you don't hear about that in the news. It's not the concealed carry license holders that are out there shooting everybody up, you know, and it's it. And I think people that are very anti-gun or anti-Second Amendment just have this idea that if we're all walking around with guns, we all can't wait to shoot somebody. That could not be further from the truth for the reason why I carry a firearm, (laughs) you know, so I'm glad you guys focus on that, but, but keep going. So what were you saying? Absolutely. You're right though. That's the furthest from the truth. I mean, concealed handgun permit holders and carriers statistically speaking have some of the lowest, uh, if not the lowest, you know, criminal uh, rates out there, right. Of conducting crimes. So, um, so yeah, I'm glad everybody accepts that, you know, you shouldn't be walking around looking for a fight. So you want to make an effort to avoid or de-escalate. When you can't avoid, you de-escalate. If you can't de-escalate, try to retreat. Uh, and if you can't retreat, then yeah, you're, you're prepared to draw your gun and use it. No one should be carrying a firearm if they haven't already made the decision that they are capable of using that firearm. Yeah. So, so before we teach people when to draw, we make sure they understand that avoid, de-escalate, retreat, engage. And then we also highlight the fact that um, – it's you're much better off if you already have the gun out of the holster. So 
we want you to be in some sort of a ready position other than the holster, if at all possible, meaning hopefully you had the time and the wherewithal to get your gun out of the holster and get it into, you know, kind of a low compressed ready or the situation might dictate a different ready position. And that means you're not going straight from the holster to firing your gun. Because let's face it, if you have to go straight from your holster to pulling the trigger as fast as you can, you're in a bad spot. Right. Yeah. You know, that's why we definitely have a big emphasis on mindset and situational awareness. People that are more observant are more likely to have the opportunity to actually get their gun out of concealment, whether it's on your waist, in an off-body carry, whatever it is, if you're aware of your surroundings and processing them, then hopefully you see a threat developing, you can't retreat, and you draw that gun out, maybe hopefully from behind cover or something, and then you're ready to use it at that point, and then you only need to use it, you know, uh, you only use it when you have to. Mm -hmm. So there's that component of it too. When, When possible, get the gun out of the holster early so that you're not having to go straight from the holster. So, um, and, and I know we're still, I'm just kind of working into, um, you know, when is it right and when is it wrong? You know, I'll give some very good examples, you know, when possible, get it out of the holster early. Now you need to be cognizant of, uh, the pros and cons of having that gun out of the holster. The pros there are definitely that it's quicker to engage a threat if the gun is already out of the holster. Some of the cons are what are the people processing around you? So what are people observing? Mm -hmm. What we don't want is we don't want somebody, someone else, maybe uh, an overzealous concealed uh, permit holder or an off-duty police officer or an on-duty officer coming around a corner, for example, after they heard gunfire, and then they see us, you know, quote, waving a gun around or something like that. That's not, that's not good optics. You know, and, and we just don't know how much other training people have that may be seeing this. So hmm. while we do want the gun out of the holster for tactical reasons, we need to be aware that, okay, what are other people observing? You know, and am I going to become a target uh, because they are not processing information appropriately and accurately? So therefore, if that gun does come out, we do try to keep it, you know, more or less out of sight uh, from other people that may be observing. I don't want to be just out there flailing my gun around uh haphazardly right <laughs> that's not showing right. control uh, the firearm at all um so you know now that we've covered kind of those two things the uh you know avoid de-escalate retreat engage and also hopefully you're getting the gun out of the holster before you're just going straight to engagement um let's kind of paint the picture for people on when it might be appropriate to actually point that gun on somebody and for that, we've got another acronym that we use in the Carry Guard program, and that acronym is AIM, Ability, Intent, and Means. That helps people, again, with the decision-making process. Does this threat or perceived threat have the ability to do me you know, great bodily harm or cause death? Do they have the intent to do so? And do they have means to do so? And something that we, a a little just example that we give in class to help paint that picture and clarify that for people is imagine, imagine somebody that was, you know, 50, 60, 70 yards away from you and they've got a baseball bat in their hand and they're screaming at you. I'm going to knock your head off, right? (laughs) That's a lethal threat, right? 
So they're coming at you. Do they have the ability? Uh, well, no, they don't have the ability because they're 60 yards away and their weapon is a baseball bat. Do they have the intent? Is it, is it Lucille or is it just like a normal baseball bat? Yeah, <laughs> what kind of a baseball bat is it? Does it have a laser on it? Or- <laughs> yeah. That's what we call the totality of the circumstances. Yeah. yeah, people are picturing Lucille and a guy in a leather jacket, and, you know. Right. It's good to paint that picture for people, you know. So, sure. you know, somebody coming at you, they have the intent. They, they tell you they have the intent to do so. And they have the means. They have a baseball bat. They have a means at which to fulfill their intent. But they don't have the ability because they are 50, 60, 70 yards away. Now, at some point, they are going to be close enough to where – they have the ability to actually cause you harm with the bat. So um, at, at what point do they have that ability? Well, then we start turning to things like the Tuler drill. And we, there's a general rule of thumb that says 30 feet. If somebody's within 30 feet of you and they have you know, a blade, for example, or a baseball bat, then they're able to move very quickly towards you, uh, perhaps before you have time to draw your gun out of the holster. So while most scenarios are not as simple and clean as this person is walking towards me with a baseball bat from 50 yards away screaming at me, it does help us start to process this this timeline, this sequence of events. So at some point, you Mm -hmm. are going to draw your gun. But before you draw your gun in this circumstance, you might be putting your hand out in front of you and giving verbal commands saying, you know, freeze, don't come any closer. And you're, and you're, you know, so maybe your support hand gets put out in front of you saying stop. And your, your, your primary hand is going towards your firearm, clearing the cover garments, getting it, getting to your gun. If it's an off body carry. And then at some point, if they show that they are not obeying your verbal and physical stop commands, then the gun comes out of the, out of the holster. It comes out of concealment. And it doesn't need to go straight on them at that point if they're still, you know, 50, 40 yards away. It can kind of come down in front of you into what we call a low ready or a compressed low ready position. And so now you're, you are using a firearm. At this point, you are using a firearm, but we're not pulling the trigger. And this may de-escalate or stop that threat. So they might see a firearm and all of a sudden they change their mind. And if they don't show an immediate response, then at that point, I can maybe extend that gun out down towards the ground in front of them. And I can just then raise the gun up from the ground to their feet, to their pelvis, to their chest, gradually presenting to the target. And now I am pointed at the threat and my fingers off the trigger. And then they get closer. Now they're closing in inside that 30 feet. Now I can go to the trigger and continue to give verbal commands and eventually, if you have to, hold the trigger. And that that's about as clean as just an example that I can give for what the possible progression mm-hmm. might look like. Sure. Well, I, I think, I mean, just hearing you walk us through those steps puts at least 10,000 other scenarios in my mind. And I want right. to ask you a, a million questions like, well, what if they do this? And then they do this. And, you know, are you talking about someone that is in a wheelchair who doesn't have the ability to run? <laughs> I mean, like, yes, like there's a million questions. I, My biggest takeaway from just hearing that alone is 
get into a carry guard course because <laughs> when you are when when you start to think about it and truly break down these scenarios and you put yourself in that I mean I think I think about it um from my standpoint as as a runner I'm like I'm always thinking about women going out and exercising by themselves and I to me I always feel like someone's going to either just come up on you from behind you or right. like if you're running and you have someone 70 yards away just turn around and run the other way you know like and so I, I'm like I think about these things but I guess I, I've always kind of thought more about it of like okay well what am I going to do if they jump out of the bushes and grab me or they pull up beside me very quickly with a car and they get out and try to grab you know like right, I where you, it where you don't see that you don't see them coming and it's right. just like that basically right. like surprise attack. Yeah. And in a situation like that, where they've already advanced on you, you know, are you then justified in using that force? Yeah. And and we'll talk through a couple of the scenarios that will help paint the picture for a, a much more dramatic event, such as you're describing there, where somebody's literally popping out and grabbing you. And that's, I mean, that's absolutely terrifying to think about, right? So I do want to just highlight again, in order to, we want to prevent getting it in those situations at all cost. Obviously, that's not totally possible. Nobody wants to get grabbed and people get grabbed. So by we can do things to increase our situational awareness. You know, for example, if you are running and you're in a in a in an area that you feel you might be getting compromised or followed, make sure that you are not running with both headphones in, for example. You want yeah. to use all of your senses to increase your situational awareness. You want to start looking around, right? Periodically looking over your shoulder, noticing people who might have been running towards you and now they're running behind you. Little things like that to give you more awareness and buy you time. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let's move on to another example, you know, that you're talking about on, okay, is it okay if we pull our gun out, you know, when, you know, we're getting out of a car and somebody comes out from behind my car or they jump out of, uh, you know, some bushes when I was running and, um, there's one really a, a phrase that we use that I, I highly encourage people to ask themselves before they ask someone, you know, like me or an instructor, you know, Hey, what if this, what if that? And it's pretty simple to think through and it's just what, would it be reasonable and necessary? In other words, if pulling your gun out on somebody in situation X, Y, Z, if you did that, would a normal person or group of people, for example, a jury of your peers, would they think your actions were reasonable and necessary? Not you, because let's face it, like no one cares what you think, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) No one's going to say, you know, believe you to say, well, I thought it was reasonable. Well, that doesn't really matter, right? What does, what would a reasonable person think is reasonable? And so you need to approach it from that perspective. So if you, if you put yourself in a what-if situation saying, okay, I'm jogging down a trail and all of a sudden this guy comes out from in front of me, you know, he's, he's 10 yards away, he's moving very quickly towards me, uh, he's showing aggression, can I pull my gun out? Well, yeah, would most people think that that's reasonable? A guy was hiding, he jumps out in front of you, he's reaching, he's spreading his arms out to attempt to grab you. Yeah, people are going to think that that's reasonable. But, you know, you, you, you have a, you, you know, you're probably, women are t- tend to be smaller than men, right? Uh, but even if they're not, and they're coming at you, 
Do you have the, any other ability to actually defend yourself against another human being that's attacking you? Not, probably not. You do have a yeah. firearm. You're trained. You're licensed. You can use that firearm when you are in fear for your life or great bodily injury. Again, I'm not an attorney and it varies state to state, but generally speaking, that would not be considered unreasonable to stop an attacker from actually physically grabbing you. Because let's face it, if you let somebody actually grab you, now drawing the firearm becomes a a very difficult thing to do. It may not even be the smartest thing to do at that point. So we don't want to let it get to that. We don't want to let it get to the point where we are actually now in a wrestling match with somebody before we draw our gun. No, no, I definitely don't. Well, and we talk a lot. I mean, I know the the knife is not necessarily part of your NRA carry guard training course, but we talk a lot about having multiple tools in your toolbox when it comes to self-defense because of situations like that. Like, The firearm might not always be the best thing, or you might not be able to get to it just depending on what your situation is. And so, you know, we encourage women to have kind of multiple tools and and things to use, whether that's learn some boxing moves or learn, you know, something. Because like you said, like if you are already grabbed, it's going to be really hard to get to your firearm. And if they come up from behind you, it's kind of hard to shoot from behind, you know? So I think that it's, it's important to learn what learn a lot of different tools and mm-hmm. learn like what you're comfortable with, but just be proficient with whatever you decide to keep on your body. You need to be proficient and you need to start thinking through these scenarios. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Amy. Absolutely. We, we want a layered approach and I, you know, I own a concert, a security consulting business and whether we're talking with an individual about keeping them safe Uh, at home or while they're traveling or whether we're talking to a business about how to keep something safe inside of a business, we always want layered approaches. We never want to just rely on any one thing. And at a minimum, you know, if you're you're concealing a firearm, you've got your mind and your firearm, right? Mm -hmm. You've got a couple couple things helping you. But of course, you hit it on the head. We want as many options as we can reasonably have. Pepper spray, Mm -hmm. taser, you know, maybe some people that have the proper training choose to carry a blade. There, there are lots of options, um, and I'll just say that if you do start exploring other options, especially, especially like the edged weapon category, make sure that you're getting the appropriate training for that because that does take a very specific and dedicated amount of training to get proficient in that. Um, something like pepper spray, much less so. You, you still need to understand how it works. Why, what can you actually expect out of it? And, uh, and, and so that your expectations are reasonable. And, um, you know, the great thing about pepper spray, just while we brought it up, is that it's so easy to have in your hand. You can jog with it already mm-hmm. in your hand. You can walk out of the office building mm-hmm. with it in your hand and you don't look any different, right? No one's going to right. care. So accessibility is a huge topic that we cover um, in our concealed handgun training classes in the carry guard program, because if you can't access your firearm, then it's not going to do you any good. And since, you know, our audience here is, is mostly, you know, women uh, I'm, you know, thank goodness that there's clothing like your clothing line out there that allows women to carry on their body because a, a firearm on your body is more accessible than in your handbag. It doesn't mean that, you know, a gun in a handbag is a bad idea. It just, it is less accessible. So 
it, you know, if you're in a parking garage and you, and somebody grabs you and your gun is in the bottom of your handbag or your purse, it's not going to do you much good there. Right. Especially if it goes flying or something off your body, then you've got no access to it. Well, I, I always thought too, when I was running, um, when I was training for my marathon before I even like started Alexa, I was always thinking, okay, if I visibly have a phone in my hand, right? Or something in my hand and I don't know, someone did want to grab me and take me. They're going to take what they can see. Like, so if they see my phone, they're going to take it out of my hand. So it was always in my house like, ooh, but if I had a phone hidden somewhere on my body and they didn't even know I had it, that might give me a fighting chance to make a phone call real quick. Or like, so to me, concealability mm-hmm. is so important for to have multiple tools, multiple pockets and places on your body to conceal because then they don't know you have it. They can't go and and they're probably not going to go searching your body for a bunch of different tools to see if you're going to fight back, but you have it and you know, they just don't know that you have it. And you know, of- So to me, the more hands-free you can be to access whatever tool you have on your body, that's the most important thing. You know? well, too, and a lot of times uh, uh, people aren't going to expect that women are walking around carrying a gun or concealing anything other than I think at the most, like they think pepper spray. Yeah. If even that, right. you know. Yeah, and use all those things to your advantage. The more the more options you have at your disposal, the more concealed options you have. You know, the higher your odds of survivability may may likely be, especially in a situation mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but yeah, just people need to think about what is the, what is the best thing for you for your lifestyle in your purpose are you you know if you're running and you don't have alexo pants then you know your options might be more limited so uh i think it's really it's really great right now um that people especially in the female category have have options nowadays that mm-hmm. were not around you know 10 years yeah. so uh you know definitely look, get out there do your research you know and uh check out you know the alexa line and, and other other things and tools that are going to help you out to help you be more prepared because you know you hit it on the head the more options you have um the more concealed options you have the better off you're going to be and uh just so i'll, I'll kind of go back now and, and and talk a little bit more about you know when can you draw and when can you not draw yeah. and the the short of it is you know it's you can probably draw earlier than you think and and I say that because we've seen this in our in our scenario training courses in the carry guard program time and time again, and I've also seen this you know outside of carry guard and the the years and years that I've been training citizens and law enforcement in other scenario training courses. It's a common theme: people wait too long to get their guns out, and uh, hmm. I would much rather people learn this in a class like the carry guard scenario class. Then you know, learn it in real life when you're being attacked. So that's one of the reasons we do this type of stuff is if you're not exposed to it in training, you can't expect yourself to perform or just learn it on the spot right. if you're yeah. being attacked. And so we constantly see that people are hesitating. They hesitate, they hesitate, they hesitate. They let somebody encroach on their personal space. And then by the time they decide to go for their gun, it's too late. That person can either grab them which starts a wrestling match you don't want to be into, or the person is getting to them with a blade or pulling the trigger on a firearm they have. So uh, I think that in general, um, a lot of people end up could end up drawing their firearms before they think they can. And 
just keep in mind that, you know, typically speaking, if you feel threatened for your life or you feel like someone is about to bestow, you know, great bodily injury upon you, then you have the right to defend yourself with at least that much force, if not more, again, depending on the state that you're in. So so they have to actually be showing aggression. It can't just be like a you're in an elevator with someone creepy and you're getting a weird vibe and you're going into a parking garage. I mean, like, like, could you, is it, can you even, is it even possible to break down like a scenario where that might be okay to pull your, cause I know there's a lot of women when they're by themselves Mm -hmm. at nighttime walking, we always think about women walking by herself to a parking garage. Yes. Would it be great to always have a buddy system? Like that would be fantastic, but that's not reality. You know, and so, I mean, like, can you be walking through the parking garage with your gun in your hand? Yeah, <laughs> I so mean, it's a great question. Let's talk through a couple different scenarios here. And then um, and then let's go back to that elevator uh, scene as well. But we'll start we'll start just parking garage or, or a street. Right. It, a parking garage is kind of clean because there's usually limited avenues of escape. Um but regardless, parking garage, street, alleyway, whatever it is, absolutely there are times where you can actually pull your gun out without them displaying some sort of a weapon, right? Um, and hmm. just think about it like this. You know, you're uh, you know, just picture whatever. We'll say uh, an average, you know, woman, she's five foot three, you know, let's just say she, she's petite, so she's not overly physically capable because there's definitely some women out there that could beat me up. Um, (laughs) let's say that you know if you're not one of them you're just kind of your normal woman right you have limited limited physical abilities you're not an mma fighter on the weekends right and there is a you know six foot five 300 pound burly dude walking directly towards you in the parking garage all right so he's walking towards you you're walking towards him you see him and you decide okay i'm not going to continue to walk straight towards this guy. So I'm going to divert. I'm going to, I'm going to angle off to the right and try to go over to the next row of cars and just avoid this guy altogether. Right. And so as you're angling to walk, all of a sudden he changes his angle and he's changing his angle to intersect you at that point. While he has not displayed any deadly threat to you, he has Mm -hmm. displayed that he is tracking with you, right? Mm -hmm. He was tracking towards you. You made an effort to divert your path. He, he changed his path to match yours. So now it's reasonable to think that this person is trying to close the space on you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's also reasonable to think that if this guy at six foot five, 300 pounds, it's also reasonable to think that if he does get close enough to you, that he can do, he could kill you right. without any weapons at all. Yeah. So if you start thinking about things from that perspective, then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, like, yeah, duh. Of course I could get my gun out because Mm -hmm. that picture that I hopefully just painted it, hopefully it's black and white. Like, absolutely. I can now get my hand on my gun. I can get it out. And if this guy pops around that vehicle, you know, hopefully there's still a great distance between you. You can start giving verbal commands right now. Maybe you're not going to draw down on him right away unless you need to, but you can give verbal commands, say, stop, don't come any closer. You're making me uncomfortable. And you can yell, use profanity, do whatever you need to do to, to try to take charge of that situation. And if they don't immediately stop, 
right? If they do not immediately stop in their tracks and basically throw their arms up and say, I'm sorry, then the next level of aggression for you is you're going to actually go from having the gun out and not pointed at them to having the gun pointed at them, you know, Mm -hmm. your finger off the trigger until you actually need to. And at this point in time, you are totally prepared to use that firearm, meaning actually pull the trigger. Uh, Because if you're not prepared to pull the trigger, then you shouldn't be obviously pointing it at somebody and not just right. You you need to be legally justified to also, you know, uh, pull the trigger if you're pointing a gun at somebody. And in this case, you know, you would be, you gave the command of stop, you're in an isolated environment. You have a huge physical disadvantage. You made an effort to divert. They countered that effort to divert. So yeah, it's reasonable at that point to go ahead and draw down uh, because they're moving in on you. And if they don't stop, then you know, you've given them fair warning. Not that you had to legally, but you have. And that should give you the comfort level to make the decision that no, this person doesn't want to do me harm. I'm going to go ahead and, and engage. And what about the people that say, well, can't I just shoot them in the leg? Like, <laughs> I don't <laughs> really want to shoot to kill. Can't I just shoot to slow down? Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Andy. Uh, it's, you know, I think all three of us are laughing right now because, you know, it's no, it's not okay to do that. All right. Is uh, you don't want to do warning shots or just shoot them in the leg or just like if they're holding a gun, like shoot the gun out of their hand. It's not going to happen. <laughs> that would be a really good shot. Yeah. So, you see that in the movies, but in real life. Yeah, real world is not like, like Hollywood portrays it often. Uh, the reason we don't want to do that is because, first of all, legally – I've not come in, in I have not encountered any law in any state that uh, that allows you to do a warning shot or a, sh- a non-lethal shot as opposed to a lethal shot. So so there is no distinction legally between shooting someone in the leg and shooting them mm-hmm. in the chest. That I've discovered and again I'm not an attorney, but I've never come across that. So you have to have the exact same amount of legal justification to shoot someone in the leg as you do to shoot them in the center of the chest. Right. And, and, and why so and even so legal, legally justified apart, let's say that people are morally wanting to ethically wanting to, well, I don't want to kill them. I just want to wound them. Well, don't carry a gun if you're not prepared to kill period. Right. Right. And don't shoot someone in the leg because it's just not reasonable to think that you actually could shoot them in the leg. <laughs> I'm not trying to be insulting to people's ability. No, yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that most people miss most of the shots they take on target. Most shots do not hit their target, period. That's all across the board, citizens and law enforcement together. So it's unrealistic to think that you even would have the ability to to do that. I mean, you got to really think about this. They're moving. You're probably moving. Um you know, hopefully they're, you know, greater than, you know, they're maybe 10 yards away from you. If they're anything inside of that, then you, you should be lethally engaging at that point anyway, if they're a threat. So don't think that you could take a shot. Then you've got to ask yourself, all right, well, my odds of missing a leg are a lot higher than the odds of missing the center of a chest. So you're accountable for every single round that leaves your firearm. Mm-hmm. And if your odds of missing that leg are greater than missing the chest and your odds of hitting the chest were already way less than half, usually around a quarter, 15 to 25%, then 
you're just you're opening yourself up to a world of hurt because you're basically shooting into whatever area is behind your your threat, which is usually not as clean as just a concrete wall. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just not a good idea. Period. It really is. And not. I don't think I've seen um, any targets at any of the ranges that I've been to that's got legs dangling down. They don't put legs surprised. on. <laughs> they don't put legs on those targets. There's a reason the targets are, I think, set up the way that they are. You know, it's center mass. That's what we aim for. We want to stop the threat. Yeah. Well, and I think that's another thing too. It's it's shoot to stop the threat. So some people say, well, do I unload my magazine? Do I just take one shot and then try to turn around and leave? You know, I mean, I, I think there's, do you guys touch on that at all with the carry guard training? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you want to engage the threat until the threat is no longer a threat or until you can no longer safely engage the threat or until you no longer have a threat to engage. Right. So that could mean a number of different things. Um, you know, it could mean that the threat is now behind a piece of cover and you cannot identify them clearly as a threat and what is around, uh, them and in between you and them. Um, now in the context that most of us think about it, we can just think about it as I'm going to shoot until that threat is no longer a threat. So, uh, that means that I'm going to pull that trigger until I I no longer need to pull that trigger, meaning there, I'm going to pull that trigger until they can no longer you know, do me harm or do uh, that third party harm who I'm defending. So you're going to pull the trigger until the threat is no longer a threat. And that typically is going to take, you know, statistically speaking, it's going to take a few shots to take a threat down. Now, you're also statistically going to miss most of your shots, right? So A, get more training so that you you don't fall into that category. Um, But you got to be prepared that you might have to pull that trigger six, seven, eight, nine times just to take out one threat that, that was you know trying to kill you. So accept that and don't just, you're not just going to engage the target with one shot and then hold off and assess it and see what happened, you know, especially if they are either close to you with a bladed weapon or, a, you know, a baseball bat or something, or if they've got a firearm in their hand, you know, you cannot, you're doing yourself a disservice by, you know, taking one shot and kind of waiting to see what happens because they've got a firearm, right? They're trying to kill you. Right. You wouldn't be engaging them. So, you know, take take several shots in the center mass area until and take as many as you need to. You know, why did you why did you take eight shots? Well, seven wasn't enough, and nine would have been too many. It's it's actually pretty simple, right? So, I took the amount of shots I had to take because it that's what it took. Any less would have been not enough, and any more would have been too much. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's like so, I feel like we literally just like stuck our toe in the pool and we haven't even like taken a dive into the water yet. And I know that I I just have this feeling that the women and the people that are listening to this episode are just going to say, okay, I want more. I need more. I need yeah. more. I need more. They're going to have a lot more questions, which is great. But yeah, I think it kind of opens up a, well, all, all the extra what if and then what about this? Because everyone's experienced something a little bit different just in terms of their own like environment. Yeah. Well, you know what we need to do next? Next episode, we do need to get a lawyer on because then we got to talk about, okay, you've pulled the trigger. Right. Now what? Now what? Yeah. Like, do you get the hell out of there or do you got to stay around to talk to the cops? I mean, there's just, <laughs> well, there's a whole nother episode right there to, to talk about. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. We've just dipped the toes in the water. So uh, there's so much more that we could discuss. But I, you know, I hope that some of these pictures that we've painted help people process, you know, when can I pull the gun out? When can I not? And just go back, well, does, reasonable and wasn't necessary. 
Well, I think for me too, it it just reinforces what a massive responsibility it mm-hmm. is to have a gun on your body, to get a concealed carry license, to keep a firearm. Like we're not just advocating, ladies and gentlemen, to go and just get a gun. Like this right. is truly a responsibility. If anything, I hope you think about everything that Jeff just said, assessing the situation down to actually pulling the trigger. Like that's a big decision to make and it's a big responsibility. And when you're accountable for every single bullet that leaves that gun, that that to me just makes the responsibility even bigger. And so I just want to encourage everybody, if, if you heard something today that you want to learn more about, um, I think a great place to start would be be the NRA carry guard. Jeff, where can they go to get more information? How do they sign up for these classes? Yeah, go to nracarryguard.com and you can click on the training tab. And uh, there you will see more information about the classes we offer. And we'll be putting up uh, some new class dates very shortly to give people some more options. Uh, And we do this all over the country. And uh, so you can get information there. You can also uh, view some videos online. If you're a carry guard member, there's uh, some online um, videos you can watch to help that cover some of the stuff we talked about today. And uh, I want to just highlight one thing that you just said, you know, we all have the right to carry thanks to the second amendment, but we have a responsibility to ourselves and to everyone around us to get the proper training. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Are you going to be at NRA Carry Guard Convention coming up? Be there. Yep, the Carry Guard Expo, Richmond, Virginia, September fourteen through sixteen. Awesome, fantastic. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to be in the area, you should definitely stop by. Yeah, we heard it was a out. huge success last year, and they're only planning on it being even bigger this year. So, a lot of exciting stuff happening with the Carry Guard program. Jeff, thank you so much for taking time. I. I didn't want you to stop. I wanted you to just keep on going and telling us more and more and, and all that. So um, if you if you want some more information, here's the great thing. Jeff Houston is on Instagram. You can actually follow his personal account at Stand Tall Fight Hard. And you can also go follow his security company, which is Tax7USA, because you actually do um, women's courses and do some more training through Tax7. Right. Yeah, that's correct. We do uh, like women's awareness and women's uh, preparedness training. Awesome. So, ladies, if you aren't really sure where to start, maybe jumping right on into the firearm training is not your thing. Take a look at Tax Seven and see what they've got going on. If there's some courses in your area that you want to take, it's a great place to start. Jeff is a fantastic instructor. He's a good buddy of yes, ours, and so we are just thrilled to have you on the show. I hope you come back again and talk about this. I need to take the scenario based training with you guys. It's time that I get into yeah, a carry guard course and do that. it. Yeah, I do too. A great experience. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks again, Jeff. And thank you all for listening to the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast. If you have not done so yet, uh, give us all a follow at Not Your Average Gun Girls. You can follow Emily at Style Me Tactical. You can follow my account, Alexa Athletica, or my personal account at The Amy Robbins. Um, And we want to hear back from you. We want to get your feedback. We want to know what you want to hear on this podcast. We want to know what's relevant to you. You can even tell us if we suck and there's something that we can improve on. (laughs) Won't hurt our feelings. Sure, bring it on. Bring it. Yeah, won't hurt our feelings. we got tough skin. But hope you guys have a fantastic week. We'll be right back here again next week. Same time, same place. We'll see you there. See you guys.
the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast and its related companies, Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com, strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.